It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Sponsored by Taylor Made and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. We are your pop culture oasis in a week of worry, you know, and... Uh, Ooh, a little music there. Thanks, E. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. And I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. I'm digging this vibe today. It's cool. You know, we have a special show today. You know, in just a couple minutes, we're going to talk to golf royalty, Billy Harmon, youngest of the Harmon brothers. You know, you all know Butch and his dad, Claude, but uh, he'll be joining us today. But in the meantime, we'll do a little tower talk and uh, enjoy our Friday music mood. E, turn it up. So I'm having a little fun there today, E, because uh, this guy that we have in an interview that we're going to do in the second segment, he uh, he is part of probably the first family of golf and uh, golf royalty. Uh, his name is Billy Harmon, but uh, his father won the Masters back in 1948. Uh, his older brother, Butch, taught Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Greg Norman. Um, there's four brothers there. Uh, there's uh, Craig and Dick also, and then just a legendary family in the world of golf. And he... Uh, Billy's just an unbelievable storyteller, so I can't wait to have him on later today. But in the meantime, uh, he's out in Palm Springs teaching at Toscana, and uh, he was his lesson book was tied up to just about noontime there, which means uh, we're going to grab him in a couple minutes. But you know, one of the things we always do at the end of the show, and uh, we kind of rush through it, and I, I want to make sure that these folks get their due because they are our devoted uh, supporters and friends of the show, and those are our sponsors. And uh, we're going to start with our, you know, our. Uh, headline sponsor here in 2020 and that's TaylorMade and you know it's an interesting story that came out about TaylorMade this week because a couple years ago Justin Rose jumped ship and he went to Hanma and uh, he was playing Hanma clubs and uh, you know since that time Justin's had a little bit of dip in performance but this week at the Honda people have pictures of him swinging a new sim TaylorMade driver so I I bet there's more on that to come but uh, it just goes to show you that uh, performance matters most even to the best players in the world so he's back to choosing TaylorMade which is kind of cool, and we're chosen tailor-made here on the show. We thank them for all they do to support the show. You know, if you're going to the North Coast Golf Show this week in Edison, New Jersey, uh, the New Jersey Golf Foundation, one of our other primary sponsors of the show, is going to be up there. They're going to be giving free 10-minute lessons. They're going to be talking about the game of golf, so make sure you stop by their booth and you interact with Chris Hunt, their executive director, and all the guys, Greg and... Um, I'm sure Chris and the other Chris will all be up there and they're having a good time as well as a lot of my brethren from the New Jersey PGA. So thanks to them. Thanks, of course, always to Summit Golf Brands for decking me out and uh, taking care of us here on the show or this B-Draddy, Zero Restriction, EP New York, Fairway and Green. We love them all. And then uh, got to say hello and thanks to the sponsorship from F.H. Wadsworth, uh, the leather bag and belt boutique that's over there in New York City. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for all that you do to support the show. We appreciate it. And speaking of appreciating things, um, you know, I, right before I left the 
house today. I think the market was down like another thousand points today, which is just kind of crazy because the reaction to this whole coronavirus thing, and you know, and we're always talking about the pop culture of life, sports, and golf here on the show. So I figured I had to give somewhat of an opinion on what's going on with this this crazy coronavirus thing and and how it's affecting the golf world. And people say, well, you know, it's just golf or it's just sports. But you know what, folks, if if they cancel the Olympics in Japan in July, then it's going to affect a lot more people um, than just the sports world. That's for sure. And it's already starting to affect us in all different sorts of ways. But as far as just golf goes, which we're usually what we're talking about, you know, the LPGA canceled you know, almost a month's worth of tournaments over there. They had three events, one in China, Singapore, another in Thailand. Uh, the European Tour postponed two events. I mean, there's a lot going on with this thing. And, um, you know, for something that's pretty an aggressive um, cold, um, you know, I just don't know what, quite what to say. It seems like, you know, everything here in America is fine. And I know they're talking about cases popping up here and there that they they can't quite explain yet or whatever. But, you know, I I think about this from time to time and I'm like, you know, what, what other kind of effects could there be? Because, you know. Almost all of our products, in some way, shape, or form, in golf, whether it's the shafts or the heads or all all different sorts of things, come from China. And I received an email from one of my vendors the other day that just said, "Hey, there, we are expecting delays because basically all of China and Japan are shut down right now. I mean, they're not sending kids back to school until the end of April or something like that. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, you, you talk about having the PGA Championship in May in San Francisco on the left coast or on the west coast." And I would think that L.A. and San Francisco and Seattle would be some of those areas, San Diego, that the CDC is really concerned about. So, you know, there's more on this to come. But, you know, my opinion on the situation for the time being is that, you know, we don't want to see this thing creep into the golf world. So uh, let's everybody stay out of the CDC's way and let's let them do their thing so we can have some fun and have a great golf season. Because we've suffered through enough, even though it was a mild winter, still wet and it was kind of crummy. So, you know, as the golf season gets ready and the Masters is about to, you know, take us all on its usual springtime dramatic adventure and uh, we'll see if Tiger can repeat or whatever else might happen or or if Brooks if Brooks can move up one position from last year's runner up and become the Masters green jacket winner I mean what would happen with that and you know speaking of Brooks uh, great story this week in GQ or great interview with Brooks and it got me thinking about a lot of different things and it got me thinking about Springdale you know we always call this segment Tower Talk which is kind of cool um, because you know I'm thinking about Cleveland Tower and how it sits over the club and it's in our logo and it's kind of the essence of all that we do in the Tower of Power. And, you know, Brooks is his own Tower of Power. And in GQ, you know, part of the article, the sentiment of the article is that, you know, people say that, like, Brooks, you seem kind of ambivalent towards the game of golf. And when it comes to golf, you know, he says, no, he goes, I love playing the game. You know, at the end of the day, I went over and I played in the secondary tour in Europe to get my card to eventually earn my way to being somewhat of a household name in golf. But he goes, there's a couple things that irk me about the game of the golf, and it's some of these restrictions or the way that clubs have rules that seem very restrictive towards you know what you can wear and how you can behave and what you can do and he's not saying he's not sitting there folks he's not sitting there saying you know we need no rules but he just says you know we should keep an open mind he says a lot of times I go to the club I'm in sneakers and my laces aren't tied or I'm in a t-shirt and I want to change when I get inside the club or I'm wearing a pair of jeans you know and it got me thinking about what a cool club is and the one that I work at, which is Springdale Golf Club, and the cool things that we've done. And, and these aren't reactionary to Brooks Kepka and GQ from this week. I mean, these are things that we've been doing for years. But, you know, our members can wear jeans in the clubhouse, and they can come to have dinner or lunch and have a pair of jeans on, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, our proximity here to town, being the oldest college town in the country, maybe even the world, you know, being Princeton, um, 
you know, we have a kind of youthful community feel to the clubhouse, and people can roll on in in their jeans if they want. You know, we have events like Breakfast with Santa and, you know, kids and families. You know, a lot of the events that we run are, are very, very uh, Brooks Kepka open-minded, I think. They, you know, we don't have a lot of rules over at the club. It's just a really cool place to work. And I've always thought that as things evolved over the last 11 years that I've been there, that the, the board and the club itself always had, a, you know, kind of an appreciation of, of where culture and the community and the golf community was kind of going. I mean, we, you know, we were talking that one time about how we have like Top Golf Night on the range, where we're bringing music and the bar and food out to the driving range, and we're and we're putting tables down there where people can have dinner and they can hit shots, so they can get like sort of that Top Golf atmosphere. Uh, I remember running uh, water. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Family Night with the water guys. I get so excited about Family Night because they have the um, the club will purchase like. 50 water guns for kids to run around. There'll be 100 kids running around, and, and they're running around behind the clubhouse, and there's a practice putting green and everything. You know, kids run across the green, and you, and you know what? You know, a couple days later, our superintendent, Donovan, who does an exquisite job, he repairs it. You know, I mean, like, we're having fun. It's a cool thing. And um, I just thought that for Brooks to bring that up and to be such a leader in golf and to say that, like, hey, let's drop it down a notch for a couple minutes and, you know, let's make sure that we're including everyone. I just I get I take a lot of pride in Springdale including everyone in all that we do over there and uh, I mean I could list like 10 more things but uh, we're going to jump to break in just a couple of seconds here because we're going to get Billy Harmon on the phone, Butch Harmon's youngest brother, to tell us some stories about teaching golf, about growing up with a father who's a Masters champion and about all all that his life around golf um, has and w- will be, you know. I mean it's going to be pretty cool. So for the time being right now, folks, it's 3:10 p.m. here in Princeton. It's 12.10 p.m. Uh, We're going to reach out to Palm Springs for Billy Harmon. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. We'll be back in a moment. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management? Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart. 
Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. You know, thanks for tuning into the show. It's another exciting week in the pop culture of golf, as we just discussed before the break. But now we are joined by a member of the legendary Harmon Golf family. Four brothers who have taught and played the game, a dad that won the Masters, all affiliated with some of the most prestigious clubs in America. There's no doubt for the Harmons, when it comes to golf, it's a family affair. Turn it up. on the board there, E. Appreciate that. A little sister sledge to introduce our guest today, and we have him here on the phone. It's Billy Harmon. Welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you today? I'm doing great. I like the music already. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, that's a little treat for you then. And yeah, uh, yeah. How are things out there today in po- beautiful Palm Springs? It's beautiful, and it's sunny. It's about 85 degrees, and it's just wonderful. It's like golfing Disneyland out here. Well, you know, speaking of golfing Disneyland, you know, then then that would make you one of the Disneys, basically, because, you know, when it comes right down to it, and we mentioned this in the first segment, that, I mean, you're part of, like, the first family of golf professionals. So, uh, for my listeners here on the East Coast, kind of give us an idea of what your day-to-day is like right now. Well, what I do is I teach, uh, I still teach six days a week, and I start at 8 o'clock, and I teach till 4 uh, but I always get to the club at 7 because I, I like to keep my game uh, relatively sharp. At, uh, as I approach age 70, it gets a little harder to do that. So I, I make the time to hit uh, balls for an hour. I think it's important for golf professionals and teachers to uh, have a game that they don't mind putting on display. And then I give my, give my lessons, and I do that uh, six days a week, and I've been doing it that way for a long time. And uh, but I do take that hour every day to hit balls, and I think it's important for golf professionals to to keep their game somewhat current. Uh, the game has changed so much, as you know, listening to your uh, last segment there, that uh, sometimes golf pros don't get to be golf pros anymore. And uh, we, we, we started to play this game and became golf pros because we love to play. So I still want to uh, be current with golf and instruction and different uh teachers and things like that so uh, most of my day from about 7 a.m to 4 is, is all about golf well real quickly speaking about current and i love that you brought that whole sentiment up but what are you most excited about you know you're 70 years old what are you most excited about in 2020 about golf i mean you have the u.s open going back to Wingfoot. there's all sorts of storylines with the players what gets you going these days well obviously Wingfoot to me is a big deal because that's when my dad was a pro for 38 years so for me to go back there is going to be terrific. Uh, I've recently been hired to Fox by Fox to be an on-course analyst, so that'll be fun. But that's where Wingfoot is where it all started for the Harmons. If Craig Wood hadn't hired my dad in 1941 to be the assistant pro, uh, I'm convinced that there would never be a Harmon family. And uh, we, we owe almost everything to Wingfoot Golf Club. So that's you know obviously going to be a big deal for me. But the Masters is what gets me going every year. Uh, obviously, my dad won it, so there's another emotional uh, experience for me there. But uh, I also like the Players' Championship. I believe, in my mind, the Players' Championship is the fifth major. Uh, as you know, the, the PGA Tour has nothing to do with the 
with the four major tournaments, which is kind of odd. So I think that they've done a good enough job with the players. And if they were ever going to have a fifth major, I believe the players is. All right, so you talked you talked very affectionately about Wingfoot and your dad and growing up there at Wingfoot. So if you're the son and, and you're the fourth son of Claude Harmon, was, was golf for you like a predestined path? Or, I mean, did you have a choice? Did you have other interests as a kid? What was it like growing up as part of the Harmon family? Well, first of all, it was really cool. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Because we were, we were you know, the... I think all of us, when people say, oh, their first family of golf or whatever, and I, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is I didn't have anything to do with being born into the family, you know. So right away I got a lucky break. Uh, you know, the exposure to the the incredible players, the teachers, uh, my dad's assistant pros were babysitters for us, the Jack Burks, the Dave Mars, these are major champions. And I think we were just around it. It just was in our blood. Uh, I don't think uh, any of the boys ever thought they'd be doing anything differently. So, no, I don't feel like we were pushed into it. I think we all loved it. And uh, we had a love affair with the game. Uh, Wingfoot helped nurture that. And so it just seemed to be kind of a natural progression for us to to get into the golf business. Uh, none of us were really good enough players, I think, to, to make it that way. And the one thing that we were, we were smart enough to figure that out. And so we directed our attention to being good club pros and good teachers and uh, still remaining in the game just in a different way. I'm curious about one thing. I mean, you had three other brothers with which to compete. And, I mean, you must have had some epic matches with either your other brothers or your dad. Do you have a quick story for my listeners, something really cool that you guys did, you know, competition-wise when you were kids um, way back in the day at Wingfoot? Well, my, my dad was a big needler. And between the four of us, we did have a lot of competition, but we all wanted to beat our dad. That was kind of the big thing. And I remember one year, my brother Craig, uh, he and my dad played the West Course at Wingfoot. Craig was about 19 years old, and he shot his best score ever at Wingfoot. He shot 68, but dad shot 65. So they went into the men's grill there to have lunch, and Craig turned to my dad, and he said, you know, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I work hard. I, you know, I practice. And I do all this stuff. And today I've played my best round of golf, and I, and I still couldn't beat you. And my father said, well, Craig, do you know the reason for that? He said, no, Dad, I really don't. Will you tell me what it is? He says, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. He said, you know, if you want to see a green jacket, just go into my bedroom closet. So it's not a mystery to me that you didn't beat me because I've always been better than you. So we grew up with that kind of uh, pathological truth teller, I would say. And even that was good for us because my dad wasn't a golfing enabler. Uh, he, he taught us all that the person holding on to the end of the club takes responsibility for where the ball goes, but that also means you, you get to own your good shots. And so he... He taught us to stand on our own two feet and uh, no whining and all that kind of stuff. And, to, you know, he, he oddly enough, he never taught. He, he used to say if good golfers so easy, why aren't there more good golfers? Well, there's a lot of you truth. Know? There's a lot of truth there behind that. There is a lot that. of truth. Yeah. There is a lot of truth to it. Hey, and, and Bill. Bill, and, and with all due respect to you and your three other brothers, you know, your dad had, he had nine top fives in major championships, and he was the 1948 Masters champion. So he could be direct, I guess, if he wanted to be, right? He, he, he could have some fun with you guys, which, which sounds like you guys well, I did. Think 
it's great that you brought up that stat because most people don't realize my dad would never played the tour. And so he had nine top fives in major championships as a club pro. And you can go through the, the history of the game. There's a lot of pretty good players that didn't have non, nine top fives in major championships. Oh, I mean, who, who played the tour full time. And so for him to do that as a part time player really showed uh, his brilliance. And, and that he really and truly was a uh, marvelous, marvelous golfer. And he did it holding on two jobs, uh, worked 12 months a year, and he taught, and he did all the things that club pros do. But he was a very, very, very gifted golfer. Well, yeah, sure. There's no doubt he was touched by the finger of God. You know, he came down, he was he was blessed to play. And folks, if you're just joining us, we're with Claude Harmon's youngest son, Bill Harmon, on the phone. And uh, he's a Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, uh, Golf Digest Top 50 instructor. He's the director of golf out at Tuscana Country Club out there in Palm Springs. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Bill, was that all of the Harmon boys seem to have what's called or coined online as the Harmon Eye, you know? And and there's been a lot of great golf fathers out there. Um, but it seems like your dad was so successful at, at getting all four of you guys to understand how to coach the game at a very high level. What do you think happened there? What was it that he passed along to you guys that was such a successful message? He was so far ahead of his time in, in many ways, you know, because they didn't have a lot of video and we didn't have all the measurables. And he used to tell us with good players, elite players, the first thing you do with a good player is figure out why their swing works, not what's wrong with it. Because they wouldn't be an elite player if they had a bad swing. It could have its quirks. And if you were asked to help that person, you'd have to be very careful on what you would change. And I think a lot of modern-day teachers will change everything to fit their model, let's say. And Dad didn't have a model. He had... uh, he wanted us to understand cause and effect. So if a guy had a weak grip and he was open at the top, he probably would have a, a different downswing, let's say, than Lee Trevino, who had a strong grip and was closed at the top. And so, therefore, you couldn't teach those two people the same way. And if you look at all the, the students that Butch has helped over the years, uh, you couldn't look at someone and say, that guy takes lessons from Butch Harmon because our dad taught us not to uh, coach the genius out of players. And so I think the one thing that has really been very helpful working with the elite players is to be very careful what you change. But then uh, we teach 99% amateurs, at least I do, and that you had to know cause and effect. And he explained that to us, and he was big on the grip. What's the club face look like at the top? Is it open? Is it closed? And that's going to tell me everything they're going to do on the downswing. And it's kind of a long answer to that's where we developed the eye because he told us what to look for. And so he had an expression, you've got to find the one thing that changes 10 things, not 10 things that change one. And so I think because of that, uh, we were probably gifted a little bit with the eye, but we were exposed to looking at a golf swing and, and a figuring out if it was a good player, why he was a good player and why he was a good ball striker. But if he was a poor player, what was the one thing that you had to do to fix? And basically, you had to find the, uh, the origin of the infection, let's say. What was the one thing that they were doing that was ruining the rest of their swing? So I thought, in many cases, his genius was 
his ability not to totally change people, but to tune in on the one or two things that were going to help them the most. You know, it's interesting. I, I love the way that you you phrase that because. Uh, I worked at Isleworth from 1998 to 2003, so I got to see your brother work with Tiger, you know, in his heyday. And people would ask me all the time, they're like, well, how does Butch work with Tiger? And how does Butch help Tiger? And what are they doing? And what has been the, you know, the process that in, in the steps that he's taking and everything? And it, it was always very difficult for me to try to you know, put that into words, but to hear to hear the way that you kind of grew up with that sentiment makes perfect sense to me. After you know, physically watching that whole well, I bet I bet you were kind of amazed that Butch wasn't changing so many things. Of so course, they were all kind of subtle, and it wasn't always about the swing. It was about how do you play the game. And I would say Butch's brilliance um, is probably forty percent technique, and the other sixty percent is knowing how to play golf, which is also taught to us by our father, and then uh, to pump these guys up, to think that they're better than they are, you know. And so, which really, if you look at it, he hasn't really come up with any teaching techniques, you know, that have set the world on fire because his genius is in his simplicity. And I'm a member of a lot of golf groups on Facebook and stuff because I like learning. And I think I have a pretty good... uh, foundation to understand the golf swing and and i i get on some of these groups i don't understand one thing they're saying so if i don't understand it how's mrs mcgillicuddy and dr haverkamp going to figure it out you know no they've got no chance well and then i think we're in an era here and i'm going to get on the soapbox a little bit because there is a lot of wonderful information but i think the wonderful information would come out better if the, the teachers talking about it aren't trying to be the smartest guy that ever gave a golf lesson so I, I think our profession has gotten a little bit too much like Tarzan, you know, everybody beating their chest that, you know, it's really, when you think about it, it goes back to my dad, you know, you get the club face <laughs> reasonably square on a reasonable path, you'll be a reasonable golfer, you know, and this was all before ground forces and glutes and obliques and alpha and gamma and all that other stuff, which by the way is fine, but you know, how does Mrs. McGillicuddy understand it, you know? She really doesn't have a chance. I don't chance. understand it. Yeah. It, I don't understand it. And I, I've been around a little bit. Well, I, you know, I was thinking about asking you a question that would say, like, what do you think's changed so much in teaching in, in six decades? And you just answered that question right there by saying, really not a lot. If you get the club face in a decent position and you have a good grip, you know, the ball, you're going to be able to find the ball after you hit it. But there is also, you know, and a lot of the new stuff is good, you know, and it is informative and all of those things. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great teacher or a great player if you don't know how to communicate it or if the player doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. So the information is great, but if you don't have the communication skill and you're talking down to people, then chances are that person might not want to learn from you. You know. So our job is to, is to uh, communicate in a way that the student can understand the intricacies of what's going on in the golf swing. It's, my dad said to me one time, he said, Bill, your job is real simple, improve impact. Yeah. Okay? That's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to tell the student how smart you are and how much you know. You know, Your job is to help that person hit a golf shot that they've never hit before and have it feel better than their way. And you don't have to do that by you know, pontificating on how smart you are. 
They yeah. don't care anyway. They just want to hit it better. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, folks, if you're just joining us, we're with Bill Harmon here, who is a member of the Harmon family, and he's teaching out on the West Coast. And before we have to say goodbye here, Bill, we have to run through a quick tradition here that we always do on Springdale Golf Live, and that's a little rapid-fire Q&A. My listeners right. love to get to know our guests. So you ready for this? Yep. All right. Um, have you or would you ever go skydiving? I would not. All right. One place you haven't played golf that you'd still love to. Boy, that's a good question. I, I would maybe say, um, I don't know. I've played just about everywhere. Um, I, I don't really have Royal Melbourne. I've been to Royal Melbourne, but I've never played there. All right. What do you like better? What do you like better, sunrises or sunsets? Boy, out here in the desert, that's a tough choice. I'm, I'm going to say uh, sunrise. All right. Um, who's the second best bunker player you ever saw? Because your dad's the first, for sure. You knew that answer. That's right. Okay, <laughs> one more for you. When you hear the word coach, who is the first person that comes to mind? Uh, Lombardi. Ooh, fantastic crossover answer there. I love that. All right, well, Bill Harmon, uh-huh. I can't I can't thank you enough. And, you know, when I think of coach, I think of any of you Harmon guys. Folks, I got to thank for sure my man on the board, E, my Springdale Board of Governors, True and Golf Management, and most importantly, our listeners. I'm headed to Springdale, but where are you headed? Well, let the tower be your guide. And from Princeton to Palm Beach and, of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale day. This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the team next Friday afternoon at 3 on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. We now return you to our regularly scheduled national